America's thirst for massive vehicles has drastically increased in recent years. Everything just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And so I did an experiment. I counted 100 cars in a row to see how big they actually were in my own neighborhood. And here's what I found. This is Dan, and welcome to Sustainability. So I started a Patreon for Sustainability. I've done 10 episodes so far, and I've learned through Baptism by Fire that creating these podcasts takes tons of work. This episode, start to finish, probably will take around 12 hours of work. Some take less time, and some episodes take more, especially ones with guests, they take tons of editing work. But my goal is that my voice can somehow shift how people think and change behavior, both personally and so those same people can influence and apply pressure to systems that exist so we can transform our society away from fossil fuels. And I'd like to continue releasing episodes every Sunday or every other Sunday. So thanks for considering supporting me. Patronage starts at $3 a month. All right, so time for the episode. I would like to acknowledge that there is a podcast called War on Cars, and it's outstanding. I'm actually a little jealous that they only talk about how cars are terrible, and I sort of wish I had thought of it first. Anyway, the podcast is terrific, and you should check it out. And there are probably 15 or so episodes I could create about how I feel about cars, and their role in American life and culture and transportation, and I kind of have to bite my tongue because I could go on forever. And I know that hate is a strong word, but I really do hate cars. Everything they stand for, the individualism, the carbon they spew, the dangers they pose to cyclists and pedestrians, how much space they take up, parking lots, how they completely destroy a sense of community, the deaths associated with traffic accidents, and the cyclist and pedestrian deaths, and how often motorists are let off the hook. And I'll just stop there for now. So a bit of background on some car stuff. Americans love SUVs and pickup trucks, and they have loved them more and more over time. So I found an article on carandriver.com from July 2nd, 2020, listing the best-selling vehicles of 2020 up to July 2nd. So these are the top 25 makes and models. Number one is the Ford F-Series, like the F-150. And as of July 2nd, 367,387 total units were sold. Out of the top 25, the top three are pickup trucks. Ford F-Series, Chevy Silverado, Ram pickup truck. The top five are SUVs or pickup trucks, because four is the Toyota RAV4, and five is the Honda CRV. Seven of the top ten are SUVs or pickup trucks. Five of the top twelve are pickup trucks. Twelve of the top fifteen are SUVs or pickup trucks. 
And out of the top 25, only six are true sedans, like regular cars, Honda Civic, Toyota Camry, Toyota Corolla, Honda Accord, Nissan Altima, and the Ford Fusion. Number 22 is the Subaru Outback, which is a wagon, and for the record, is getting larger and larger over time. According to autobital.com, um, I looked up the weights for the Subaru Outback model years from 2014 through 2020, and it grew from 3,423 pounds in 2014 to 3,634 pounds in 2020, which is an average annual weight gain of a little over 35 pounds per year. So the Outback is getting larger and larger over time. So say I count the Outback as a 0.5, or half of a large vehicle. That means that 18.5 of the top 25 best-selling personal motor vehicles in America in 2020 are large vehicles. That's 74% of the top 25 vehicles. And Ryan Cooper wrote a great article for The Week on August 7th called The Case Against American Truck Bloat. And I loved it. Here's an excerpt. Trucks and SUVs do not make up 70% of automobile sales nowadays because Americans are now 70% contractors and HVAC repairmen. Nor has the average pickup gained 730 pounds since 2000 because 100 million people have taken up cattle ranching. The vast majority of SUV and truck drivers would have driven a sedan in previous ages, and for these people it's about looks, power, speed, and perceived safety of drivers. And he kind of continues from there, slamming SUVs and pickup trucks, and um, it's really satisfying. <laughs> so here's what I did. Um, knowing all this stuff, I was curious about which cars drive by in my neighborhood. I wanted to see how big they were, how much energy it took to move them, and if this data actually was real. Um, so I went outside and I did an experiment. This experiment took place on Fairfield Road, which is in Greenwich, Connecticut, United States, on Tuesday, August 11th, from 4.13 to 4.49 p.m. And I only counted cars going north and west, which is one direction. I only counted uh, going one way. So it's kind of a curvy road. So it's like sort of north, sort of west. And I only counted personal motor vehicles. So if it was a work truck or a dump truck or a landscaping truck with a trailer, I didn't count it. I also didn't count anything with two wheels. So during those 36 minutes, these are the things I didn't count. One bicycle, one moped, one tractor, and eight big work trucks. Also, let the record show that zero pedestrians ran or walked past me. I set up a camera to record video so that I could look back through it and compare it to my notebook, where I was trying to keep track of the vehicles, to help me get as close as possible to the make and model. Um, and while I was in the field, I glanced in the car to see how many people were in there, to try to see like how many have one person in there, or two or three. And that data is probably pretty close. Um, perhaps there was a baby or something in the back, and I couldn't really see. So I kept track of make, model, and occupants in the vehicle. And I did that outside. Then I came back inside. And while doing computer stuff and looking at the video, I used a 0 to 5 confidence score for every vehicle I identified. Some vehicles I definitely knew because it said, or I just knew, and others were guesses. 
So they each got a confidence score, and the average confidence score for all 100 vehicles was 3.88 out of 5. So pretty close. I think that I was right on most of them. And then I assigned a 0 or a 1 for each vehicle. 0 was a sedan. 1 was that it was a large vehicle, van, SUV, pickup truck. Station wagons received a half point, uh, and I saw five station wagons. Two were Subaru Outbacks, two Mercedes E-Class wagons, and one Volvo V90. So five wagons, which added up to a total of 2.5 large vehicles. And then to find the weight of the car, which was really why I was doing this, I used Edmunds.com for 87 of the vehicles. And I used autotk.com for eight of them, carandriver.com for two of them, and autoblog.com, vehiclehistory.com, carbuzz.com for one vehicle weight each. So most of them came from edmunds.com. And for the weight, the numbers I will present are curb weight, which means the weight of the vehicle with no driver, no passengers, and no cargo. So that also means this data could be skewed on the light side because every single car that passed me was heavier than the curb weight because there was at least one human in it and definitely some stuff, even if it was, you know, just a phone or something. It weighed more. And there are a lot of different varieties of cars, like premium models and extra super fancy and two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive and all this stuff. So Edmunds.com and the other sites often listed multiple curb weights and I always took the middle-ish number. And so I kind of know my science gets a little murky here, but I didn't know exactly what type of model it was, but I, I got a number that was close enough, and that was good, good enough for me. And for the cars, I used the 2020 models. Again, I don't know the year of these cars, but that probably skews the weight heavier because most of the vehicles have grown larger over time. Um, but I, I just didn't know the year, really. So the numbers aren't perfect, but they were pretty good. So here's what I found after doing this experiment. 76 and a half of the cars were large vehicles, vans, SUVs, or pickup trucks. Only one van and everything else, SUV or pickup truck. So 76 and a half percent were large vehicles. And that's sort of what I was expecting. It was higher than, you know, the what Ryan Cooper says, right? Um, but right around in that 70-ish percent range. Only one was an electric vehicle, which is a Tesla. And I think it was a Model 3, probably. And one was a hybrid vehicle, which was a Toyota Prius. So one and a half, if you count the Prius as a half, were electric vehicles. Not very good, and we should have electric vehicles, but it's not really the solution to, you know, <laughs> needing to transform literally the entire transportation system. So 1.5% were electric. So let's do the weight. So the average weight of a vehicle of all 100 was 4,168 pounds. 4,168 pounds. And that's over two tons, and that's a lot of metal. The lightest model that drove past me was the Mini Cooper, and that weighs 2,760 pounds, and only one of them drove by. The heaviest model was the GMC Yukon XL, a behemoth of a vehicle. Two of them drove by. 
and the GMC Yukon XL, according to Edmunds.com, can weigh three different weights between 5,600 and like between 5,600 and 6,000 pounds, depending on all the extras and stuff. So I took the middle weight, which is 5,846 pounds. So it's almost three tons, right? I don't know the exact model, but 5,846 is the middle of the GMC Yukon XL line, which is just monstrous. 14 of the vehicles weighed over 5,000 pounds, and 58 of them weighed over 4,000 pounds. Now, people. So the average amount of people in the car was 1.33, repeating. The mode for occupants in a vehicle was one. 74 of the 100 vehicles only had one occupant, the driver. So it blew all of the other numbers out of the water. 19 of the vehicles had two occupants, and seven of the vehicles had three occupants. I didn't see any vehicles with four or more people in them. And again, I think that was right. You know, I could have missed something or made a mistake. But by far, one person in the car was by far the most common. And now for some other kind of random trivia and findings. The most common vehicle was the Jeep Wrangler. Seven Jeep Wranglers passed by. The Jeep Wrangler weighs 4,449 pounds. And the second most common make and model was the Porsche Cayenne. Five of them passed by, and a Cayenne weighs 4,740 pounds. The most common company was Toyota with 10 vehicles. 10% of all the cars were Toyota. And another note is the, the car that Laura and I share, my wife Laura and I share, is a 2016 Honda Fit. It weighs less than all 100 cars that passed by. It weighs 2,573 pounds, which is a lot. It's a large thing, but it still weighs 187 pounds less than the Mini Cooper. And so if we were to rank it, it would be 101st in weight. <laughs> and we're planning on getting, getting rid of it soon and being car-free, but that's a story for another episode. So now for some physics, and this is what I was really interested in when I did this experiment. And I was thinking about my senior year of high school physics class. You know, how many joules of energy does it take to move a human versus like a human and a 5,000 pound vehicle? And a joule, J-O-U-L-E, that's a unit of energy. So from Wikipedia, it's a derived unit of energy in the international system of units. It is equal to the energy transferred to an object when a force of one newton acts on that object in the direction of the force's motion through a distance of one meter. So it's the metric system, unit of energy, and one joule equals the energy exerted when a force of one newton is applied over one meter of distance. So I was wondering how many joules it took to move these massive cars and their occupants. So I had to figure out how much Americans weigh. <laughs> so according to the CDC, the average weight of an American male is 197.8 pounds, almost 200 pounds. And the average weight of an American female is 170.5 pounds. And so that's really, really big, and we all know the problem with that in America. If we average those two numbers, we get 184.15, which is the average weight of an American adult human. And we convert that to kilograms for the metric system, we get 83.5 kilograms. So the average American adult weighs 83.5 kilograms. 
So how many joules does it take to move an average American adult 83.5 kilograms, say, over a distance of 100 meters? So I had to do a, a bunch of math here, right? Force equals mass times acceleration. So force equals 83.5 kilograms times 9.8 meters per second squared, which equals 818.3 newtons. So that's how much work it takes to move 83.5 kilograms. So to find the energy it takes to move 83.5 kilograms over 100 meters, we simply use the formula work equals force times distance. So work equals 818.3 newtons times 100 meters. So we get 81,830 joules of work. 81,830. So that's to move an average American adult 100 meters. So say that average adult human is driving a Chevy Suburban. Drove past me in the top 10, super heavy, at 5,808 pounds or 2,634 kilograms. We run the numbers again using the total combined weight of vehicle and human. And the energy it takes to move the vehicle and the human 100 meters is 2,663,150 joules, which is 3,254 times more energy than if the human just moved without the vehicle. So, that's crazy. So, so this number, this, you know, how much more uh, energy does it take to move a human, say it's one driver, right, in a monster car. That was one of the biggest reasons why I did this weird experiment in the first place. I was wondering how much fossil fuel was needed to make this giant hunk of metal and often one human move, right? And it turns out that it, if there's one driver of average American weight driving a Chevy Suburban over a certain distance, it takes 3,254 times more energy than if that amount of weight traveled that distance without the vehicle. It's absurd, and it's, abs it's an absurd use of resources. Moving that much weight takes so much energy, and that energy is created by burning fossil fuels in an internal combustion engine and spewing CO2 into the atmosphere. And to be frank, especially over short distances, it's incredibly reckless and incredibly greedy especially if you're going like a half mile or just like doing something. And just thinking about everything that's happened in the past few months around the world, from Baghdad's record-breaking temperatures to Hurricane Isaias and the wildfires exploding in California, a 12-day heat wave that just started in Southern California, uh, Greenland's ice sheets just melting, uh, a huge amount of Bangladesh being underwater, and New York City recently being reclassified as humid subtropical instead of humid continental. Like the climate in New York City is now a different. It is classified as different. And I think about, you know, all these things, food insecurity and climate refugees and about these massive cars and everything they represent. And I really, truly struggle with containing my anger. It's really hard and 
a complete a complete transformation of all transportation systems in the world is necessary. I know transportation's one part of the whole problem, but it just has to be changed. And so what should we do? So, you know, there there are me, me, uh, tons of things we could do, but here are a few. A carbon fee on fossil fuels, you know, a massive tax on gasoline, huge spending on public and mass transportation, spending on bicycle infrastructure and training, uh, reorganization of land use and zoning laws so people don't have to drive 12 miles from the burbs to reach a business. Um, so there's tons of stuff we can do. And I think that all, out of all of this change, people will be happier. Spending time in a car alone is not communal. It does not build relationships, and it isolates everybody from each other. And in many cases, makes people angry about cost and traffic and commuting. So I hope that this episode causes you to ask yourself some questions and to really look at the world in a different way. If you own a car or use a car, how much does it weigh? How many joules of energy do you need to move it? Is it necessary? Can you share a car? Can you get rid of it? Can you use public transport? Can you ride a bike? What does it look like around where you live? Um, have you noticed the, the, the huge increase in large cars and SUVs and pickup trucks? And what does that say about society? And what does that say about use of resources in general? And how can we transform society so everything is better for all living things? So I hope that this is a thought-provoking and uh, discussion-sparking episode. And I appreciate that you have listened. Um, thank you for listening. Check out my Patreon if you feel so inclined, and I'll, I'll see you next time. 